So preaching the Word of God is, is all I do. If you're visiting here for a few days, we have people, this is all I do. This is all I do. This is it. It's, it's more like a school than it is a church. Really. So somebody said, well, you know, and, that, and, that, and I really look at it that. It's, it's, it's really it's, it's education, information, and confirmation. And, and I think more than anything, you need to, some of us, we have been so suffocated by church and church religion. When you come into the doors, it's completely different, but I'm really a, a Bible teacher. That's all I do. That's, that's it. No frills, no nothing. Just I teach biblical principles. If, if that's not what you're adhering to, then you won't like this church. Um, but that's, this is all I do. This is what you get. You go to KFC, don't order tacos because you're not going to get it. If you do get it, don't eat it. I'm going to tell you right now. So somebody asked a question last week. Why do you just preach the word? And here's the answer. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 and verse 5 says, that this know also the Apostle Paul is about to leave this earth, that in the last days, which there'll be perilous times, shall come. This is called anachronal perilous. And it means basically... I'm not for sure what's going on. Boy, if that's, if, if, in the last two or three years, you can't put your finger on anything. Pre-COVID or post-COVID. So he's talking about the church. They're having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. When it says having a form of godliness, it means religion, but denying the power that is a word called exousia. It means that the word of God. They're having a form of religion, but they refuse to obey the word of God. That's what that means. Denying the power. I mean, that, that has nothing to do with lightning come from heaven. It means that the word of God is not the authority in their church. And I'm going to tell you straight up, the word of God is the authority in this church. It ain't the spirit. It ain't Jesus. And it's the, it's the, it's, it's the word. It's Jesus. It's the spirit. It's God the Father. They're all in one. So we don't separate any of these things. The word of God is the authority of this church. So here is a better language for you that are south of Wilson. It says something like this. Don't be naive. There are difficult times ahead. And at the end of the approaches, people are going to, church people, are going to be self-absorbed. Please don't say amen or oh me, please. Act like you got it all together. The church will be self-absorbed, money-hungry, self-promoting, stuck-up, profane, contemptuous against parents, crude, coarse, you may want to teach your children and leave right now, dog-eat-dog, unbending, slanderous, impulsively wild, savage, cynical, or it gets better, treacherous, ruthless, bloated windbags, addicted to lust, and allergic to God. They'll make a show of religion, but behind the scenes, they're animals. Stay away from these people. They are allergic to God. The Greek says it. They are allergic to God and His Word. I'm going to look you straight in the eye and tell you right now, I've been here for 30-something years, and I still don't understand people that teach biblical principles. There are people that are allergic to the Word of God. And I'm not talking about plumbers, prostitutes, and pimps. Because they're looking for frills and thrills and fun and fur and all the sideshows. But when it comes to teaching biblical principles and you apply them to your life, you become allergic and you start coughing and you start leaving and you won't come back and you start breaking it. And you say, oh, Pastor, I broke out with the sweats during church. It's called conviction. 
It's not condemnation. It's called conviction. God is wanting you to do better. Oh, this, this will get a little easier. I got this over with, okay? So why do I preach the Word? It's because what happens is it seems to be the litmus test who's the real deal and who's not. Because I'll tell you straight up, if I have a puppy dog that lives in the house and I don't, I'd rather him poop in the front floor of the living room than off in the closet where I can't find it. I want to know who's here to stay and who's here to cause trouble. And how do I do that? I just preach the Word. I don't have to make up stuff. I don't have to tell stories. I don't have to yell and scream and throw things at you. I just preach the Word. And you'd be surprised that people, self-centered, self-absorbed, money-hungry, just bloated windbags, and they are wildly impulsive. You can't, you, you, God couldn't hit them because they're a moving target. But most of all, number, lastly, they are allergic to God and His Word. Wow. So as we begin this little journey this morning, thank God, it's so important for me, we're talking about the ships, we've been dealing with ships. See, your enemy doesn't care about the craft, he cares about the cargo. He don't care if you're a big ship, he don't care about your discipleship, stewardship, he don't care about any of that stuff, but he does, is concerned about the cargo you carry. And whether it be a little bit or a lot, that's what he's after, your cargo. And I hate to bust your bubble, but you're not that big of a deal. But the cargo you carry is a big deal. See? And so what happens is we've been dealing with ships and storms and all this stuff is because evidently, if you're going, has anybody ever gone through anything or gone through something now or live in, some, in a storm? Yeah, thank you. The rest of you, you're, you're all liars. Absolutely. Well, what happens is, could it be that you're carrying something that God wants to go out and your enemy doesn't want it to leave the bank? So, the idea of this, Psalms chapter 103, verses 2 and 3 says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, we've talked about, but don't forget all of his benefits. Verse 3, who forgives all of my iniquities and he heals all my diseases. Now, we talked about this some point ago, but this section over here is fairly new, and you're the only people that are staying awake about half the time, but dealing with this, the word diseases doesn't mean shingles or COVID-19. So when it says that the Lord forgives all of our iniquities and he heals all of our diseases, Timothy's telling you, and we'll find out, there's a lot of disease in the church. There's a tremendous amount of diseases in this church right now. You may want to spread out. That's why I'm up here by myself. And somebody says, oh my goodness, have you had your shots? Have you been vaccinated? Is it whooping cough, smallpox, chickenpox? Monkeypox, they got monkeypox now. That's amazing. Man. So when you read this, you get the idea that he's going to heal all the diseases like you've got health problems and sugar diabetes. That's not what this is. The word diseases is a word, it's a long Hebrew word, but when you separate it, you get the idea of the word dis, by definition, Webster, it means to be separated from, it means to be in reversal of, to be negated or to be not present. Number two, ease means to be peaceful, restful, content, relaxed, leisurely, calm, composed. Webster's Dictionary. Now you can correct me, but I will tell you when, when the things of God come into your life, that we know that we are not born with calmness and easeness and relaxed and 
And all these things we know through the damnic nature of Romans 5 and 12. We inherit them. You don't have to teach a three-year-old how to throw a fit. I own a daycare. We do not hold a class over here at two years old and line these kids up and say, watch this, I'm going to teach you how to stomp your feet and throw a fit when you don't get your way. It's in them. They automatically know how to pout and stick that lip out and drop those eyes and throw a fit. It's just in them. It's not your nature to be nice. It's not your nature to be calm. It's not your nature to be generous. It's not your nature to be relaxed. It's not your nature. It's just, you may look good at church, but I'll tell you behind the scenes what's going on. And the Bible says what happens is that the Word of God or the presence of God, He heals all of our diseasements. By definition, easement means allowing another to come on your property to do a work or service. Easement. So the city says, what I want to do is I'm going to come on your property and I'm going to dig a ditch and I'm, I'm going to plant marigolds. And you say, well, you're not either because I own this. And they say, well, time out. The city has an easement. Oh, really? Absolutely. The city has an easement in your yard and on this property and it means that the city can come in and do what it wants to do with or without your permission. Aren't you so glad that God doesn't have to wait on your invitation to do a work in your life? Oh, you've heard, oh, I stand at the door and knock, and his knuckles are, are bloody because he's knocking, you won't answer it. Listen, you need to get that picture off your wall and that concept off your wall. He doesn't need your permission to move right in. Matter of fact, in the, on the eighth day when the room was locked and the upper room locked and they were downstairs, they locked the door thorough and they bolted it, they changed it, and they put a pit bull in front of it and said, if this has anything to church, do not bother us. And the Bible says Jesus just walked right in. Aren't you glad when you shut him out, he doesn't knock on your door and ask you for him to come in. When he wants to change your life, he will move right in your life, David, whether you invite him or not. And I'm so glad that in 1980, when I was cussing God and shaking my fist at God, he said, I don't need your permission to come in. I think I'll just come on in. And he did. And I've never been the same since. Easement, it means this. These signs of being peaceful, restful, gentleness, and all these things are attributes or characteristics. What's this? They're indicators that God has taken easement in your heart, mind, and life. If you are better than you was five years ago, if you're more calmer than you was three years ago, if you're more easier to get along with than you was yesterday, it's only because of this reason and only because of this. Is because God has taken easement in our life. And He's working. And He's moving. And the Bible says that He heals all of our diseases. Put a hyphen in between dis and eases. And the times that we want to get frustrated, He takes care of that. The time that we want to get angry, He deals with that. The time that we want to give someone a piece of our mind and we don't have much less, He takes care of that. He heals all of our unsettledness, our uneasiness, our jitters, our frustration. He's in the business of healing that because when He has easement in our life, God is good.
And if somebody, even in this church, that has diseases, it means you scream and holler and you throw things, it's only a sign. It's not the fact that you're not saved and not going to heaven. You just need to allow God to do a, a greater work in your life and quit fighting him. And just say, God, I've got a problem and I need some help with this. I've got an anger problem and I need some help. I've got a jealousy problem. I need some help. Uh, I just need some help. And so what happens is you're giving God or God's taking easement in your life. And in that, that is, that is a wonderful way to go through life. So when he talks about this peaceful, easy feeling, that's not what the eagles were singing about, I'll tell you. So Philippians 4 and 5 describes it this way. I'm, I'm dealing with, we talked about lordship. I'm dealing about a relationship with Christ. Not religion, but Jesus. He says, let your moderations be known to all men, for the Lord is at hand. It's a funny scripture. The word moderation is called epicase. And epicase, by definition, means kind of like gentleness, or at ease, or relax, or kind of the same wordage. But the Lord at hand is, is some will translate Maranatha, and it's not. It's not Maranatha. We have a church across the road called Maranatha Baptist Church. It means the Lord is near. Maranatha. Pretty good word. But that's not what this is. This is basically, this, this, the Lord is at hand is basically one Greek word, and basically it means to throttle, to control. By definition, the Romans got it, it means this. It means to regulate the flow of water. So the Apostle Paul, he's dealing with a church that's going through a lot of stuff. They're, they're going through, I mean, I mean, and they're fixing to go through a lot of stuff. And he says, let all men see. Let your moderations be known to all men. The word known be demonstrated. Let your gentleness be seen of all men. Let your calmness and your easement be seen. And let your peacefulness to all men. Because by doing this, you will prove that the Lord is at hand. It is the Lord that's regulating the flow. It is the Lord that's regulating your outflow. So watch this. Every one of us has the ability to do dumb things. Especially this section. Can I hit a better 80 man than that one? Yeah. And I mean it's in them. Oh, baby, they got all the four and five letter words and the hand gestures. They got it all. I mean, I mean, they got it all. It's in them. I mean, when you get saved, I mean, there's no amnesia. It's still in you. Hateful words, unkind looks, hateful gestures. Oh, brother, it's in you. But the difference is, is that when he has easement in your life, he does something. He regulates what comes out of you. He throttles and controls the emotions of your heart. Corinthians 6 says this. Paul says, you are not constrained or hindered by the word of God. You're hindered and constrained by your own bowels, your own emotion. Your emotion gets you in trouble. Your emotions get you in trouble. Your emotions get you in trouble. You're saved, but your emotions get you in trouble. And I'm telling you right now, we all have emotions, and it's wonderful. Passion is a great thing. Gasoline's a great thing as long as it's inside the tank and on top of the car. It's, it's a great thing. But this is what he says. Let your moderations be seen by all men and prove to them that the Lord is regulating your heart. 
Because what's in here, this massive amount of I could do something and I could say something and you deserve for me to react, the Holy Spirit says, hang on just a minute. You're going to regret this. And the Holy Spirit, I mean, right in the middle of an argument, of course, Danny's, Sherry's not here, so we can use Danny, but I mean, Danny's giving her the right act, and the Holy Spirit said, don't say another word. Don't say it. Don't do it. You'll regret it. And I'll tell you, oh, Danny, Dvorak, Devorak, Dvorkin, whatever his last name is, I mean, he is just hell-bent on saying it, and he says it, and the couch for a week is not that bad, he said. So hopefully as we get older, we learn to control our emotions. But we don't control them. It is the Lord that controls them. And we're not perfect, and we're always learning, and we're always striving. But I will tell you that as we go and as the Word of God takes easement in our life, He's working on us. He's doing some things to us. The Word of God is never idle in your heart. He's always working. The Word of God is always in progress. The Word of God is always cultivating. It's always moving. It's always bearing fruit. You may look like you're not doing anything, but the Word of God is, is active. Hebrews chapter 4 says the Word of God is, is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, diastomos. But he said it's active, it's alive, it's moving, it's thriving. Even if you don't see it, it's doing something. So basically what he says, Paul says, this is an indicator of easement and at peace and at rest is because the Holy Spirit, or God Himself through the Word of God, is regulating and controlling the throttle, the throttle, the flow out of your life. And that's how they'll know it. So, somebody asked today, and it's a good question, and I'll tell you, there's no greater feeling to pass the test of God having control of your emotions. Really. We all, and, and so, so watch this. So, there's a difference in the book of James of testing. Y'all already know this. There's a book of, in the book of James, there's a difference between testing and trials. I'm not going to tell you what they are, but there is. See? So, so the idea of this, there's some things that we go through that God already knows how we're going to respond. He just wants us to see how we'll respond. That's testing and trials. But it's a great feeling when you pass. And it's a miserable feeling when you fail. But it's a great feeling when you pass. So how do we pass? We, we, we fail for a while, but when we start getting smart, we take the Word of God, ask God for help, and little by little, God takes easement in our life, and we start getting a little relaxed, and then we say things like this, it's not a big deal. It's just not a big deal. I thought it was a big deal. The sky's not falling. This too shall pass. And what it's doing is, and what about COVID? What about this? What about end times? What about this? What about that? Matter of fact, we had a guy here at, I won't even tell you, but, he used to come here a long time ago, and he was big on Bible prophecy, but it don't matter. And he came to me after church, I mean, after the funeral, he said, uh, do you teach Bible prophecy? I said, I don't. So he said, Danny's like, he goes, well, why not? He lives in another town. I said, well, because it's all guesswork. He said, are you sure? And I said, are you sure? <laughs> you know me. I'm a snapping turtle. And, and I said, I didn't say I didn't know anything about it. I just said, I don't talk about it in church. He goes, are you sure? And I said, are you sure? He goes, I am. I said, are you willing to bet on it? He said, I don't know. And I said, I am. I said, listen, you're making a huge mistake by trying to build your church on, on fabrications of, 
of what was really the first century church and try to make it fit us today? Why don't you just preach the gospel? Why don't you just teach about love one another, teach the word of God, and let that be the church that Jesus Christ is building. Let the other stuff go. See, so, so that's part of that, because if, if in eschatology, it'll always keep you worked up. It, it'll just keep you worked up. It'll just keep you worked up. And, and I'll tell you, you, we don't need you worked up here. We just need you to be right and calm. And Turn to somebody and say, I've never seen you so peaceful in my life. And it's probably because they're napping. But besides that, tell them. So somebody said, which is a great question, why don't you have church on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights? Why, why, don't, why, don't you have, why don't you have all night prayer night services? Why don't we have revivals? Why don't we fast? Why don't we do things? So here's my answer. Here is my answer. It's found in Luke chapter 5, and it's only two verses, verse 33 through 35. So they said to Jesus, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise those of the Pharisees do, but your disciples eat and drink? And he said to them, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? So, so the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they, those days will fast. So here's the concept. It took me a long time to get it right. I was, I was a pretty good golfer. It's all right. Some of you know that. Um. And one thing about a golf swing is, is, is that if you, if you can do it by memory, you'll be successful. It means it's the same swing all the time. And I will tell you, my wife even won the club championship. She did. And so the idea that what, what it means by this is this. Is that in, in, and anybody play golf? I've seen Darren Miller play golf. Well, he's got a golf ball in the golf club. <laughs> we call it hitting sticks in the ground. And... Uh, I'll tell you something funny. Can I tell this, Dusty? Might as well. He, he, uh, I was at his house working and, and looked over in the garage and there was a golf bag set up, tailor-made. It's a nice one. Covered in dust. Oh, it, it was pathetic. It was, and I said, what are those? He said, oh, I'm fixing to sell them. I said, really? Oh, he said, they're no good. I can't hit them. I said, what's wrong with them? He said, I don't know. I, I don't think they're any good. So I reached over and I said, well, you haven't, I hadn't played golf in six, seven years. And I reached over and took a five iron, a seven iron, I don't know what it was, and took a couple of golf balls and walked up there and had a pair of boots on. I had a pair of boots on it and cut off shorts. And I walked up there and I hit that thing and it looked like a rope took off. He said, give that back to me. <laughs> it's not for sale. <laughs> I'm not saying when he, there's a sweet spot on a golf club. And when he hit that sweet spot, he goes straight. So the idea is this, if you ever get into a place where you're peaceful and restful and things are really at God's at hand with you, why would you want to change? Jesus said, the reason why my disciples, watch this, doesn't fast or have long prayers. Now, if you don't know this, there was only one day a year that you were supposed to fast, Day of Atonement. When Jesus come into earth, they were, they were fasting 105 times a year. Twice a week and one extra at the end of Passover. They were all additions. They would pray these long, long, long prayers. They'd preach long sermons. Can you imagine anybody would preach long sermons? 
Jesus said this, as long as I am with these my friends and disciples, why should they do anything else? I'm near to them. This morning, if, if you're away from God, I'm telling you, fast or pray, but, and, 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 and do certain things. I, I encourage you. But, but if you ever get to that point where the Lord is at hand in your life, why would you ever move from it? And the, and the second question is, where would you go? The goal is having Jesus so near to you. So the reason why I don't do certain things and it's nowhere in the Bible to have church on Sunday nights and church on Wednesday nights and church on Tuesday nights and all these things, that's additions and I'm glad for it and we'll probably kick back up Wednesday when school starts. But listen, what happens is there is a sweet spot in our spiritual lives and if you can find it, and yours may be different than mine, and mine may be different than yours, but if you can get to a place where you're relaxed and calm and gentle, and you're at right with God, and you're at right with the world, I'm going to tell you, here's two words. Don't move. Don't change. Well, why don't y'all run around the building? Because why, why would I run around the building when he's sitting near to me? Martha and Mary, she's at his feet. Why would she leave? Martha said, get back in the kitchen. I need some help. She said, I love you, but I love him more. I'm not moving. So the reason why a lot of times that I do things different is because I don't have to necessarily follow the pattern of everybody else. But here's the deal. If Jesus is not at hand in your life, and if, if, if there's not gentleness and kindness and all these things that is in the process of flowing out, I encourage you, fast if you need to, get life right with God, Pray as much as you can, but if you ever get that place where you look around and say, man, everything's pretty good. I'm not overreacting. I'm not doing many things stupid. You feel his presence. You feel encouraged. You feel confident. Then I will tell you, don't do anything. Because we are human beings, not human doings. Got it? So here we're going to close. Watch this. This is found in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Who's they? They, us. But after their own lust, they shall heap up themselves, teachers having itching ears. Here's, here's the, the message of it. For the time will, for you're going to find out that there will be when, when people will have no stomach for solid teaching but they're going to fill up on spiritual junk food. Catchy opinions that tickle their fancy. They'll turn their backs on truth. And they're going to chase mirages. But you, keep your eye on what you're doing. Accept the hard times along with the good. Keep the message alive and do a thorough job as God's servant. He's telling us, if you believe in, in, in the end times, if you believe that we're living the last days, then you, as the people of God, you need to pay attention to this, that the churches today, they are abandoning the truth of the Word of God, and they're going to catchy opinions, they're going to all types of fake mirages, and I'm telling you, you'll make a, you'll make a tragic mistake. So do a good job. Keep your eye on the, on the faith, and I'll tell you, God rewards you. You talk about a famine, watch this one. 
You think that you think there's a famine in the Word of God? Watch this. Amos chapter number eight, verse eleven. The time surely is coming, said the Sovereign Lord. Then I will send a famine on the land, but not a famine of bread or water. But the hearing of the words of the Lord. He said, I'll send a famine. I'm going to send a famine. The, the, the devil's not even mentioned in this. He said, I'll send a famine, but it won't be a famine of bread and water because here in America, we got more bread and water than we've ever had in our life. And we got bigger churches than we ever had in our life. And we got religion running out our ears. We got catchy opinions. We got fancy sideshows. We got Shetland pony rides. We got fog machines, strobe lights. We got it all. We got entertainers to entertain the goats. We got it all. But he said the famine will come where it will be where the hearing of the Word of God. That's the famine. The famine will be the lack of anyone being able to produce and harvest biblical principles to feed the flock. When I was in high school, some of you don't know this, but one of the feed companies got a tremendous lawsuit over cattle feed because they ground up cardboard and soaked it in molasses to feed the cows. They ate it, but they, it was, there was no vitamins or nutrients in it. It was a big deal. And I just wonder today in our society and the churches, have we got the same problem? It's, it's, just, it's just there's nothing to it. So I encourage you, if you're hungry and thirsty after righteousness, the word of the Lord can be found here. If you're hungry for God, the word of the Lord can be... If, if you need easement in your life, the word of God can be found here. And it can be found in a lot of places, but get somewhere where it can be rightly divided in your life because you need every bit of God you can get for the next coming week. So this section over here, so why is it, what good does it do me to come to church and come to this church? And, and I'm really glad you asked. Glad you asked. So there's a scripture found in Proverbs chapter number 30. And it says, there are four things which are little upon the earth, but they're exceedingly wise. So let's read this. The answer are people, not strong, but you're prepared to meet for the summer. They're always busy. They prepare. The conies, which is a small rabbit, are feeble folk, but yet they make their houses in the rocks. God is their provider and protector. The locusts have no king, but yet they all go forth by bands. It means the Holy Spirit moves them. And then the last one is this. The spider takes hold with her hands, and, and she can be even found in the king's palace. It's not a spider. It's a lizard. Does it, how many of you got a King James Bible? Don't that make you want to just throw it away? It's not a spider. It's a lizard. The NIV, ESV will tell you. It's cricket. It's a lizard. The lizard is found in king's palaces. King's palaces. It didn't say the lizard is found. Oh, I'll tell you what. I had to crawl him out of the house today. And I was down there. I was by myself. I was minding my own business. And a huge frog crawled right on my leg. I liked it. I said, God, take me home now if that's a snake. <laughs> Woo! 
And he looked at me and said, you know, all right. Scared the water out of me, boy. So you had this king's palace, beautiful, immaculate, perfect. Marble floors, everything's perfect, but yet he allows lizards to run loose. Now some of you, what time is it? i got to go. Some of you have never been like to Jamaica, Cayman Islands, and stuff like that. If you've ever been there, chickens run loose. They run loose. They're on the go. Chicken Express. Really? I mean, they're in and out of stores. I mean, you'll be shopping, and we're... I mean, they'll just go around, and I don't know where they're... And the reason why they do that, because they eat bugs. They eat water bugs. The reason why that a king will allow lizards to run free is because one lizard can eat 10,000 bugs a day. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not fond of cockroaches running on my food. This section don't care. I care. I care a lot. So the king is smart enough to know this. I would allow a lizard to run loose in my, in my castle that's spotless because if I let him run loose, he'll eat 10,000 roaches and bugs a day. You know why it's so important to come here? Because I'm your old lizard. Because it's my job to get rid of anything in your life that's bugging you. So you may have come here this morning and you might have been mad and you might have been aggravated and you might have been frustrated and, and you might have had all these things running wild in your life. And you come to this house of God and before you know it, somebody's spiritually looking at you and they're picking stuff off you. So whatever that you're going through this morning is you're in the right place. God is here. God will meet you here. You don't have to strive anymore. You don't have to perform anymore. You don't have to do anything. You just sit back and let God control your heart. Let God be at hand in your life. He's telling us in advance that perilous times are going to come. These things will come. But we've assembled ourselves together in this place not only to receive the Word of God, but to benefit others that are here. Father, there's no other feeling in the world than knowing you are near. All my church life, I've been taught to perform and jump and run and dance and pray and and it seems like that it just made things worse. Until finally that I just got somewhere and got still. And I realized you were near. I didn't have to fulfill another man's agenda. I didn't have to go along with another man's doctrine. All I wanted was just you. And I realized you were near. And when the men and women ask me today, why don't you do certain things? And I, my response is, I already have you near. I don't want to go nowhere. Father, would you be real this morning? and Would you just be near to us today? I may not can change the hardships that our people are going through right now. 
but I ask you just be near to them while they're going through these things. There's a lot of violence and there's a lot of hate that's out in the world that's never going to change, but would you just please be near in my life today? When we feel like we've gone too far and we've said too much and we've, 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 we've exhausted our, our, our amounts of grace, would you just remind us that you've got more grace and I've got sin? Would you just teach your people what it's like just to sit in your presence? Don't have to do anything? Help us to find that spiritual sweet spot in our life where your grace is real and your love is, is new every morning. We don't have to dance to other people's drums. We don't have to cut ourselves with spiritual knives. We don't have to do any of these things because... You're near to us today. And Father, this morning, if we have done or said anything that is really not pleasing you, we, we apologize and we repent and we ask you to take easement in our life. Please come. I'm going to open up the gate to my heart. Would you just please come on in? And de-weed the pain and the poison of the past and plant the plants of kindness and love and generosity and goodness for the generation to come. And lastly, this morning, I pray for anyone that something is bugging you. You're in the right place. If something is just crawling in the back of your mind and running up down your, your nervous system, Hold still. Because it is our job and our purpose and our intent this morning to rid you of anything that's bugging you. Your past, your history, anything that would cause you, your shame, your guilt, all these things that is bugging you, you're in the right place. Be near to us today, Father and my heart will be at rest. And all the people of God said amen. And amen. Give the Lord a praise offering this morning. Stand to your feet. Turn about two people and say, I like you. Oh, man. You make me feel better. Communion service, if you'll please come. You know, society will tell you to get somewhere and find yourself. Well, I did that and I wasn't impressed. That's why I need God. So that's our homework assignment is that we're going to demonstrate gentleness and calmness and being relaxed and being rested and being refreshed, but we cannot do it on our own. We give God easement. He heals all of my diseases. He heals all my restlessness, my weariness, 
my anxieties. That night, Jesus, he took the bread in the cup and he said, for 1,500 years, you've been celebrating this, this ordinance. The unleavened bread, the bread that had no leaven. As Jesus said, I am now the bread of, of life that my Father sent from heaven. The fathers ate of a bread that they hungered again, but Jesus said in John 6, once you eat this bread, you'll never hunger again. He took the cup and he lifted it up and he said, this is my cup. In the Old Testament, Moses celebrated this ordinance for 1,500 years before. They take the blood of the Lamb. They would place it on the doorpost in the shape of a cross. But Jesus said, now I am the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world and my blood will be taken and placed on the shape of a cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And every time you partake of the bread and often as you drink of this cup, it will remind you of me. We celebrate Holy Communion in this church every year for the last 15 years. We never miss. It's not a ritual. It's a reminder of how good Jesus is and how much he loves us. So Father, bless this cup, bless this bread, and as we make it our goal to allow you to be at hand in our life, that you'll heal all of our diseases. As we rest and trust in you and your word, in Christ's name, amen.